your muscles are like little toddlers. If you don't give them something to do, they're gonna come up with their own thing and it's usually not, not good. good. <laughs> Welcome to Harmonized Health. Escape the medical matrix. Here, you'll gain a new perspective on medicine by showcasing alternative health in all its forms while digging into some medical science and philosophy. You'll gain knowledge about how to care for yourself and your family by building a solid foundation of health that includes movement, sunlight, breathing, diet, sleep, joy, connection, and purpose. Well, welcome back to Harmonized Health. I am your host, Dr. Damon, here with... Dr. Daniel Nikens. Hello, everybody. Once again, once again, ready to tackle a important but very intense topic today. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about fibromyalgia. Let's address what is fibromyalgia. That's a good question. That is very good. It's a <laughs> tough one, too, to answer. But, you know, in general, different tissues in the body are experiencing pain. And why is it doing this? Why is it so hypersensitive to touch? And now we have this hyperalgesia to these certain specific points, but in general, it's all over the body. That's what kind of differentiates, you know, this from maybe even complex regional pain syndrome or any of those kind of things where it's a little bit more regional or even we have some other localized pain things. So what's your experience, Dr. Dan, with fibromyalgia? My experience with fibromyalgia, um, I've honestly only had a couple people come through uh, with fibromyalgia, um, but my experience with fibromyalgia in total is the elusiveness of it, the mysteriousness behind it, the fact that, you know, the diagnosis prior was was these you know 18 points 11 out of the 18 points if you know if you have increased pain at those locations then you have fibromyalgia and um in reality to me the points they got they, they did away with that they got rid of the points yeah um so if if your doctor is still diagnosing fibromyalgia based off of these 18 points uh, maybe it's you know information that they can jot down but that's no longer the standard yeah, I think that's that's a good point. Um, I think it is very valuable, it's but valuable it has to be with the other details, you know, and then we have to differentiate it a little bit from the chronic fatigue syndrome, mm -hmm. which is very related. Like, we don't even know how to differentiate them, you know, right. and now they're calling chronic fatigue syndrome my ME, you know, for, mm. uh, what is it, myalgia... I don't even remember, myalgia, encephalitis, something along those lines. And yeah, so, and a lot of these things just change so quickly that it's even hard for us to understand what's going on. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's uh, that's a good point. You know, I do think, because I actually had somebody come in yesterday, which was interesting. Just yesterday. Right? Yeah, I was like, oh, this is, <laughs> yeah, this is serendipity, like to the fullest here. That's <laughs> something for uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have a seat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here we go. But yeah, I started, you know, going around and, and feeling different areas. And I mean, she would jump, like literally jump when I touched, you know, and it was those those main spots that they do talk about. Mm -hmm. And you know, and going off of some of the other things that she was going through, I was like, man, this does kind of go towards that. But, you know, like you said, I, I can't diagnose fibromyalgia just off of that, um, you know, because there could be so many other things, so yeah. many other, other things that could be going on inside <laughs> her body, you know, and then just seeing her that one time. Now, if I saw her more and more and it's, you know, see that progression you know, then it might be, okay, let's, let's start to dive a little deeper. Yeah. You did a little research, um, and you found some, some newer kind of diagnostic material. To yeah. You know I mean? When you're searching for anything, you come across a lot of stuff, but, um, I think it is worth noting, you know, you're saying you, you can't necessarily diagnose fibromyalgia off that one visit. And I think that was the inherent problem is that you could, could, you yeah. can't, yeah. but general, <laughs> you could. <laughs> yeah. If you have this pain for more than three years, I think it is, and you have, you had, you know, pain at these 11 of these 18 points, and they're points like the base of the skull, the traps, the base of the neck, 
uh, the second rib. Have somebody poke your second rib and let me know how that feels. It's yeah. not going to feel good. <laughs> um, supraspinatus, so that kind of, you know, outer shoulder. Um, glutes, hip, knee, elbow. I mean, these are very common places for pain. So um, we have a patient, you know, in a car wreck that comes in and, and you can't even lay a finger anywhere from their head down to their, you know, hips. And, uh, you know, that's that's where the three-year mark comes in, right? But if they never seek treatment for these, uh, you know, for a car wreck or something and they deal with this pain, well, now years go by and, and they're still in pain and they go back and all they get is, oh, well, fibromyalgia. Um, because there is no, <laughs> there's no test, there's no, like, exam. So I'm glad they kind of did away with those points because it was just way too broad. Um, now, yeah, I was, I was looking into it and there was, like, an FMA test and it's a blood test looking for cytokines and and mm. white blood cells and stuff like that and and it said it had a 99% you know uh diagnosis rate it was you know 99% success or positive whatever i draw a blank and um, that that could be today and then in 5 years that could be different yeah, yeah well well that's my that's that's very <laughs> true but that's my point is that you know you're you're diagnosing something that we don't even know what is causing it so sure, maybe there is some kind of, you know, there's problems. You don't have to convince me that there's problems with at a cellular level that can cause widespread pain. But the broad diagnosis of fibromyalgia is just something that has never really sat well with me. And, and I know you as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess that's why we're here today to talk about <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> um, but in my, in my experience, I guess, to, to sum it up in that, because um, you asked me 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Um, is, yeah, I have had patients come in that are just like me or how I used to be, and they would have injury that they would just avoid for years. And now years have gone on, and they haven't done anything about it. They're trying to get it treated because it's bothering them more than it should, right? And uh, they go to their primary, and they get something like fibromyalgia, which gives them nothing. There's no answers. There's no treatment. There's nothing to really do about it. Um, aside from like antidepressants and a lot of people aren't comfortable with that they don't yep. like, well no i'm not depressed i'm i'm in pain <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. um and that's just you know that's a, a couple a couple patients that i've had i mean it's not like i have people come to me for fibromyalgia every day um but that is my experience and it is very uh it leaves them feeling very hopeless like well what am i supposed to do now like yes. i don't i don't now i feel worse <laughs> yes <laughs> it yeah. thanks a lot now i feel worse yeah um, yeah, at the end of the day, it's, okay, how do we start addressing this? Yeah. And I think when we get into next week's episode, you know, the foundations of health, I think that'll clear up a lot of this stuff, yes. too, because if you have those foundations first, you know, then the treatments really help yeah. that much more immensely. But And that is what I find when yeah. I when I treat my patients. You go back to the basics, you start to focus on things that we're, we'll talk about today, mental, you know, mental clarity, relaxation, exercise, diet, I mean... You go to those things. Yeah, even addressing, like, stressors. I had a patient one time um, whose dog passed away, and they did not take it well. Mm. And from then, their physical health just deteriorated because their mental health was in a different place. With their dog passing away, it was just too much. Anytime they thought about it in the office, it was like a breakdown, tears and everything. And uh, they would directly correlate their physical decline with the dog passing away, um, but they don't know what to do about that. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot there. And yes, a lot. <laughs> recently, I've been getting a little bit into German New Medicine. Have you ever heard of that? Mm -hmm. Tell um, me all about yeah, it. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, I don't know too much about it, but it's it kind of goes along those lines where, you know, there's a conflict some kind of conflict mm -hmm. that's happened some somewhere in the past. And if you can link up where that conflict occurred, like here with the dog passing, then you can start to go through uh, Dr. Hammer was his name that kind of formulated all this stuff. And you could find the conflict. And actually, it was when you were healing from that conflict when you actually saw the symptoms arise. Mm. which kind of goes against what most people would think, right? And then there was different portions of the healing phase, and you could start to identify, you know, where where they were along that healing and how to kind of address it. And sometimes it was just making them aware that 
it was that event yeah. that kind of started all mm-hmm. this. Um, it could be things like a rash on one arm. And he would always say, like, you got to first differentiate between, like, right-handed or left-handed. That'll dictate whether it's a parent involved or a spouse and and these kind of things. So it's pretty interesting, you know. And then you start to understand a little bit more of, like, how the the mind, the body, the emotions, all that fits together, too, which is, you know, fascinating. So. Yeah, that's something I've been one of those rabbit holes I've been going down recently. <laughs> so, but it's it's uh, profound stuff, and and there's a lot to it. So I won't say that I'm an ex- expert by any means yeah. in that. But uh, yeah, it's something that I think will help down the road for you know my patients, and you know if you ever like to look into it too, you know we'll do something along those lines. But I'm um, kind of going back to your your comment on the cytokine profile. You know, there's uh, many other things we can do on on the functional medicine side, too, that will help elucidate whether somebody is dealing with a fibromyalgia kind of status. And so for me, I like to run something called the organic acids test. This is going to show what's happening, how the, the metabolism is happening on the cellular level and what what kind of metabolites are being produced. And then that'll come out into the urine. And so we can measure these things in the urine and see, you know, whether they're processing things properly through the liver, you know, is their glutathione status proper? Is it, you know, B vitamin status, all kinds of things, but also see, you know, if there's any fungal overgrowth, any kind of uh, bacterial overgrowth and, and all these kind of different things. Um, and then the big portion I think for this is the fatty acid oxidation. A lot of times you'll see that really rampant. People aren't utilizing their fatty acids properly mm-hmm. and you know, and that's just showing that they're metabolically inflexible and that's going to limit energy, energy production. So now our ATP to ADP status, getting a little scientific here, but <laughs> that can really throw off how the cell is is understanding its state around other cells, around the surrounding portion of the cell, which is called the extracellular matrix. And then that will cause what's called the cell danger response. And so now we think this is, this is something that might be playing a role with this fibromyalgia. So now the neurons, which would be the cells in this case, are, are not reading properly how to send the messages and how to inhibit each other. So you might have like an inhibitory neuron to shut down one of those neurons that are sending the pain signal, right? Mm -hmm. And so now that that inhibition has been removed, and so that pain signal just sends more and more, and it starts to get amplified over time. And so now we have these large responses to these, you know, pretty mundane kind of when you press on somebody – and it's real light and they're, you know, reacting kind of right. way out of control. You're like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> you know, that's where I think we're starting to see a little bit of elucidation on this whole fibromyalgia thing. But it there is just so much to it, right? And yeah, that cell danger response, you know, the mitochondrial function, when all that starts to get thrown off, you know, we don't have enough oxygen, we don't have enough electrons. You know, the ATP, the ADP, that's all off, you know, and then we'll get into maybe like the structured water inside the cell, how that's working and everything. But that's a whole nother topic. Maybe we'll get to in the next episode (laughs) a little bit. Um, But, you know, now they're now we're starting to see that there might not even be cellular membranes that are keeping things in 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 kind of solution. It's more of this structured water that's that's actually operating. Hmm. but yeah, anything to touch on that? <laughs> well, um, I, I just, yeah, I try to explain these things to my patients very simply when they come in and they have like these uh, just hypersensitivities, right? Because you, you come in all the time with knots and trigger points and this hurts here and everybody wants an answer, which is valid. Everybody wants an answer. They want to know what's going on, um, but they come in with, you know, knots and and uh, these trigger points, and, and you just touch them, and it sends them through the roof. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, 
this is all the pressure I'm giving you. And you do it like on the other side of the body. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's not a lot. And you're like, okay, so I'm going to do it right here. And then they're like, wow. <laughs> you know, it sends them through the roof. And so you have to be able to explain that to them. Um, and and there's a lot, obviously, you know, what you're stating there. And, and what I try to tell them is just, you know, like, you, you look at the different layers, like we'll, we'll go through even different layers, just from like skin to fascia, you know, like everything surrounding your muscle fibers, your muscles, where they connect into the bones, like try to keep it very simple for them. And it's just like, look, if you're not using these things, even properly, they're gonna cause problems. And I tell them when it comes to like, not specifically, I say your muscles are like little toddlers. And if you don't give them something to do, they're going to come up with their own thing. And it's usually not Not good. good. (laughs) (laughs) It's usually not good. If you give them something to do, they'll fall in line and they'll follow it. They want to, right? But if you don't give them something to do, they figure it out on their own and it's not, not a good idea. And what we see here in fibromyalgia is that that starts to happen on a more widespread, um, you know, stage that's, that's starts to happen throughout your whole body. I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking from head at least down to like knees, right? And um, that's very stressful, very difficult to try and explain to a patient that is just in pain and likely has these other factors going on. They likely have a sedentary lifestyle. Um, it's possible they could have another um, autoimmune disease going with it, like a lupus or an RA. Um, there could very well be a mental health side of it, whether that's depression, anxiety. Um, and then there's sleep. Sleep has been a big factor with fibromyalgia. And so, I mean, you look at the vast majority of our population <laughs> and we have sedentary lifestyles. Our diet is not good. Um, we do see a lot of autoimmune diseases. Um, and then sleep, stress. I mean, this this is our life. And so, mm-hmm. When someone comes in and we're like, oh, yeah, well, look at all these things that you have wrong. Fibromyalgia. Thank you. That'll be $50 at the door or, <laughs> or, or 450 at the door. Yeah, Who knows? Exactly. Um, it, it doesn't do much for our patients. But it also, it doesn't do too much of a, a service to the patients of even using this as a diagnosis. Because even everything that, that you're discussing at the, at the cellular level that's these are tests that you have and if there's tests that you have there's no need for a general diagnosis there right and so Mm -hmm. that that comes down to you know what i do with like an ortho i just i just messed up my shoulder pretty bad the other day right and if i run through all my orthos and i say okay this is negative this is negative this is negative but when i do this it hurts it's probably my ac joint and then i write down on my diagnosis page shoulder pain that doesn't help yeah that doesn't point me anywhere, right? <laughs> and so if I do all these tests, and, and it's funny because the diagnosis for fibromyalgia essentially is like x-rays, blood test, physical exam. It's like, okay, well, what are you looking for x-rays? Nothing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're not looking for anything. Yeah. There's no Rule x-ray things out. So you're yeah. ruling stuff out. What are you looking for on blood tests? Well, nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they don't know. Inflammation, but yeah. then, yeah, how do you differentiate Everybody, that from yeah, RA? Anybody could have inflammation, right? Yeah, so... You're ruling things out and then you have your physical exam and they even cut out these points. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, yeah, you're in pain. So we'll call it fibromyalgia. And so I think that just the title of it, not addressing it, not separating these things out deeper. It's almost like you need to chop up the word and be like, okay, well, cellular, like you need, like we need to follow this path. Like if it's more mental, physical, emotional, whatever, we need to follow this path. But just grouping people into fibromyalgia or just grouping a bunch of shoulder injuries into shoulder pain and not giving any more detail doesn't really do that patient a service. That's a, that's a good point because, and, yeah, like how do you, how does it change the treatment? Exactly. And, and it should. if it doesn't, then, yeah, why are you going through all this? Right. You know, because then it's just, you know, money piling up really. And, hey, either way, we were going to attack it this way. Um, maybe attack's not the best word, but you know, we were going to treat it this way. So why does it really matter that we've given it the name? 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that's where we do get caught up in, you know, nowadays it's all about the diagnosis Mm -hmm. and instead of just, okay, the body is reacting this certain way. Why is it reacting this way? Exactly. And let's try to get it back on course and... Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And some other things came up as you were talking there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like you get, you came, uh, kind of read my mind a little bit on the, <laughs> uh, the localized fibromyalgia is almost like a trigger point, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And all of a sudden we have a discrepancy in energy production in this one localized spot. And now that spot won't relax mm-hmm. because we need more energy to relax the muscles than to actually activate the muscles. And so here, yeah, that one area, for whatever reason, just does not want to want to calm down, and it could just be it needs more cellular energy. Now we have to figure out, well, why did that one area yeah, go that route? Absolutely. You know? and there's, there's a lot there. Yeah, and there's so many, I mean, injuries and everything, and it's just if I were to, granted, like given the, the whole, you know, whatever, three year, I mean, that's, that's a big key factor mm-hmm. to it. But if I were to take all the patients that walk through the door and press in those spots, they would have increased pain in those areas. I mean, we're talking suboccipitals, your upper traps. You could give anybody in the world a trap <laughs> massage and they'd be like, ah, it feels good. Anybody in the world. Good pain. Yeah. Right. And like, like glutes out to like the hips, that greater trochanter, like that's, that's, those spots are tender on everybody. Well, you sit all day. Yeah, you know, it's... exactly. And knee pain, I mean, sure, maybe not everybody's going to have knee elbow pain, right? Like those are kind of the two that, okay, if you have elbow pain and knee pain and hip pain, we're getting into something that's a little funky, right? Yeah. And that's why these overlap with like rheumatoid or lupus. Mm-hmm. That's why they overlap with these autoimmune diseases because it is a little funky, right? But the whole, like, like I even said to the second rib earlier, like, these are not, these aren't places that are normally like, oh yeah, that feels fine, right? Like yeah. if you were to poke me in my upper traps, like, oh, ah, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I would, I would punch you back yeah. kind of thing. Um, and especially when it comes with any kind of injury, but then especially with our sedentary lifestyles, um, you just, you see that these knots and trigger points, they do spread, like they grow. Mm-hmm. They, they don't, you don't just have one spot in your shoulder that hurts, like, especially with fibromyalgia increasing with age, right? So you're looking at women in like their 60s, 70s. As we get up in age, the diagnosis of fibromyalgia increases. And I mean, my my nana, bless her heart, tells me every day how much her neck and back and hips and everything hurts, right? She's got a lot of things going on though. And if someone were to just be like, yeah, fibromyalgia, good luck. Mm-hmm. She... she via this diagnosis has fibromyalgia, Mm -hmm. right? But does she have fibromyalgia? No. (laughs) She has a lot of other things going on. Um, And and it's just the the blandness of the diagnosis is what gets me. It's not to discredit people that have it or say that it's not real even um, because I believe that there are instances where fibromyalgia has a deserved diagnosis. But my problem is is if we don't differentiate the ones that don't deserve that diagnosis well enough, if we don't have, you know, um, you know, we're not diving into the, the cellular side, we're not diving into the rest side, because we know, we know from my standpoint, granted, your functional internal medicine, and that is, that's not my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And that's why I want to do this with you, right? That's yep. why we're here doing this. Exactly. But if you come to me... <laughs> and you have a diagnosis of fibromyalgia, and you are living a sedentary lifestyle, we have studies, we have studies right off the bat that show exercise benefits fibromyalgia better than rest does. That is very much the case of a sedentary lifestyle. I have people all the time that have shoulder pain, neck pain, and I say, well, you need to use those muscles. Same thing, that's why I told my little story about the toddlers. You need to give them a job, you need to give them a role, and they will fall in line. They absolutely will, like no questions asked, really. And I've never had that fall back on me Mm -hmm. in a bad way. But we have to give them that role. If we don't, they're just going to try and figure it out on their own. They're not happy. And I give the sponge analogy as well, that you get a bunch of gunk that builds up in one area and you're never wringing that sponge out. You're never activating it. You're never contracting those muscles the way they should. You're never bringing, you know, a, 
a surge of blood flow to the through the muscles to the area because you're not exercising them and it just pools mm-hmm. and now you get this this knot or these trigger points or um fascial layers and fascial planes that aren't gliding properly and and you do you start to get you know very localized like nerve entrapments and inflammation cascades and and now you end up with hypersensitivities and pains and knots and radiating pain you know down the arm just coming from a knot in the trap and step one is just address like have you ever used the muscle i mean do you do anything with it or does it just hurt because yeah if i never used my arm it's gonna start to hurt they're all there for a reason right yeah and so that's my my qualm is we need to separate these things better we need to do a better job of diagnosing what we can and not ignoring the basics i don't i don't understand why we want to ignore exercise diet nutrition just because a patient doesn't want to do it well it's tough luck yeah i mean we are (laughs) as humans we are made to move i mean that is one thing that has made us human over you know the millennia that we've been on here on this earth is we are designed to move and move in different ways i mean we are probably the best at long distance running Mm -hmm. endurance but i think also we are so good at so many different movements we're not the top you know on any of them we're kind of like the swiss army knife (laughs) yeah but i mean we can do so many different movements and i think that's what's a big thing that's missing in our modern society is that we don't utilize, you know, things like crawling even into adulthood or climbing, you know, we, you know, yeah, we're, we're not as good as our primate cousins at climbing trees, (laughs) but I think we're still have that capability. And then, you know, things like just carrying things long distance, you know, and then this is all before we even start to exercise. It's, it's, we're doing all these great movements. I mean, the the reason that we love to watch, you know, these awesome sports on TV or even at a venue is because they're doing these incredible feats of movement, really. When when you break it down, you know, whether it's basketball, gymnastics, dancing, figure skating, you know, I mean, they're doing some incredible stuff. And I think that kind of just shows that we are built to move. And kind of to your point is, if we're not doing that on some level, now we don't have to be like those athletes, but I think on some level we have to explore these movement patterns. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that goes to like things that like Gray Cook and Kelly Starrett, some of those guys, you know, have been talking about for a long time. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you get the movement patterns down and then that also lights up your brain, mm-hmm. you know? So is that playing into something like fibromyalgia? You know, because you're not moving the way that you were designed, yeah. even cl- not even close to it. And now your nervous system's like just sending the signal like, whoa, there is big problems here. Um, you know, I think there is a, a component of that to, yeah. to this whole scenario. So, but, and, and then maybe that even plays into my, the next thing I did want to bring up, which is another key factor to fibromyalgia that helps differentiate it is that post-exertional fatigue. So now you go and do even just something that, you know, most of us would just do and not even think twice about, you know, whether that's just going out and picking things from the garden, you know, or washing the dishes and all of a sudden you're just like wiped out. You know, you got to go lay on the couch after something like that. Um, Obviously, if you did any kind of exercise, you're you're done for like a day or two. You know, that post-exertional fatigue is a key factor too. And maybe that plays into it. Like the body just does not know how to, how to do this anymore. Doesn't know how to recruit certain muscles. Doesn't know how to utilize those fuel sources anymore. And yeah, it's, it's a big sign that there is a lot going on underneath that skin there. And, um, absolutely. It doesn't, it doesn't know how to work, right? It doesn't, doesn't know how to do work without being just drained, but your body also doesn't know how to rest. Mm-hmm. And yep. so you're stuck in this cycle that, I mean, that's, that's doomsday if you don't do something about it. But I mean, what, what's the, the treatment antidepressants, you know? So it's like, y- you can't work, you can't rest, you 
You're, you're in just, this sympathetic state constantly. Yeah. Constantly. I mean, we see a lot of people that don't have fibromyalgia in that state too. Absolutely. But yeah, and, and maybe that also goes to the fact um, that more women, just like an autoimmune disease, mm-hmm. fibromyalgia seems to predominantly occur in women. And what do you think about that? I have my own <laughs> thoughts on it. Um, well, I mean, I, I think that's the thing is whenever, and man, you ask me first, you're going to get me in trouble. But whenever you, <laughs> whenever you differentiate between male and female specifically, you have to think what are like the biological differences between male exactly. and female. And, and that comes down to uh, different hormone levels. That comes down to... Especially with fibromyalgia, when we talk about it going on in the later stages of life, um, you can even look into like postmenopausal changes to your body. Um, there's childbearing. I mean, there's a lot of big things that play into these factors, and even just your life that you lived. I mean, if you yeah, if, if you have kids and you're a mom, I mean, that's a superpower, right? Like, there's nobody denies that. You have a lot of sacrifice throughout your life. Um, to take care of these kids. And, and even just that alone is like, yeah, I don't know. I, every single day at 6am, I had to make four lunches or whatever, you know, and then I have to, I got to fix all that up and blah, blah, blah. And, and you end up having this routine life. And if you don't know, routines are, are dangerous. Routines are dangerous because your body starts to compensate into these poor routines, right? Um, your body starts to compensate in these things and yeah, things like neck pain and, and headaches for mom sounds like a given, unfortunately. Um, so I think it being more female predominant, we, we know some of these things with lupus and RA and everything as well. Um, but it's, there's, there's so much, there's so much more that goes into it that now you start to look into like, different, you know, cellular fatigue levels and, and different um, hormone changes even just throughout the, the life and even just how are the, the male versus female like muscular structure is just different. I mean, mm-hmm. there there's no debating that. I mean, a, a, a male is just predominantly or, or naturally going to be more strong. They're mm-hmm. going to have more muscle tone, more muscle fiber. And so when we see something that affects, you know, we, we diagnose like, oh, it hurts when you touch this muscle, it hurts when you touch that muscle. There has to be, there has to be something that's going into that, that difference between male, female. And we see it. We see it. We just don't know why. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's causing it, right? Like, and, and we're not willing to figure it out. And that becomes the big problem. And so same thing. If I have somebody coming in my doors, I'm going to say, well, let's go back to square one. We're going to figure out why you're not sleeping. We're going to look at your diet and we're going to give you exercise in those areas that you don't like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in the areas that don't feel good. And that doesn't have to be, I tell my patients all the time when I give them stretches, I'm not going to put you in the circus. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to give you exercise to make you that pro athlete mm-hmm. or put you in the Olympics. No, not by any means. What I want you to do is I want you to raise your hands over your head every day a good couple times. Mm-hmm. Nothing crazy, but if you can't get your hand all the way over your head, there we, we go. We no got problems. something to work on, right? Yeah. I mean, that's step one. It just has to be motion. And that's why I called my practice motion chiropractic mm-hmm. because when it comes down to it, like you said, we're made to move. That was a good plug there. Yeah, actually. good plug, motion <laughs> chiropractic. Um but no, that's exactly why I, I named it motion because motion is the is the key. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you have to move. We were made to move. You get people that rag on the shoulder and say, "Oh, it was a crappy made joint." It's like, no, we just don't use it yep. properly. Yep. It's a it's an incredibly made joint. It's in it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we just don't use it properly. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. Maybe I'll get myself in trouble, but um, I am curious to hear what you have to say. No, I think building, I think you hit the the nail on the head with a lot of that. You know, I would just build off of it and say above the biological component, it is a psychological thing too, because, you know, going back to, we mentioned mismatched diseases. And I think 
it is a, a more of a mismatch in our modern society for women yeah. because, you know, everything's go, go, go. There's never time for them to to settle down. And, you know, they have portions of their monthly cycle to where they need to really just settle down, come, yeah. you know, come inside and be option. internal. <laughs> and yeah, and it's, and they're the caretakers of the family of the tribe. And so I think, you know, this is a lot of speculation, but I, like it kind of makes sense on an evolutionary perspective is, is they had to kind of make sure that everybody was okay in, yeah. in the family and tribe. And, you know, now our society is all about like just stimulation yeah. yeah. Every, you know, it's never time to like come down into ourselves and just, you know, be at peace. And I think that's where the whole mindfulness meditation, you know, all that comes into play now. Everybody's talking about it, but so many people have difficulty doing it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's hard to get to that. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, oh, I closed my eyes and, you know, those thoughts are still going because that's all we know is, you know, thought patterns and, and what some people call the monkey mind. It's just always on go. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that starts to show in the body, Yeah, you know, and now it's like the nervous system and the muscular system are just so hypersensitive that you go and touch that, that person in these spots and, and they're jumping. Yeah. And so I think there's a bit, you know, and that's where the psychological and biological kind of come together. Yeah. And, you know? and that's why I say it's, it's not a fun question to answer because anytime you start talking about, um, anytime you start talking about female in pain, and you start to correlate it to anything mental, you go, oh, great. It's all in your head now. Oh, this guy. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's it becomes a danger, actually. It becomes a disservice to them because there very well can be a mental, emotional stress. Like, I don't think anybody is going to deny that we live in a stressful society. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that we don't get mental breaks like we yeah. should, um, that we don't handle our emotions properly. And that's not male or female. That's anybody mm -hmm. in the in the great United States of America. We have a fast-paced society. But when you see just male and female, like our brains are wired differently and we need different things. Yep. We have different uh, interests. We have different just innate qualities. I mean, we, we have neurologic differences when it comes down to us, you know, at a base level. And so it's not fair to say that you don't need something just because you don't want to hear it. And mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a good, I don't know if that's a good way to phrase that. Yeah. But... It's, it's like you have to find a way to be somewhat delicate, but also forward about it. Yeah, you know? it's... But it's, it shouldn't be taking taken in a negative manner i don't think i think a lot of people jump to you know because they've been told over and over, oh it is in your head you need yeah. you need this medication you know this ssri or whatever but really when we say psychological emotional you know every the those components of us are just as important as our physical bodies and i think yeah. that's what gets misconstrued yes. in all that conversation yeah. is oh it's all in my head you know i just have to think differently well, no, not that's not what we're saying. Um, yeah, and I think that's kind of what you're getting to is is how do we change that perception of yeah. psychological? And, you know, I don't even want to totally put it on the perception of it, too, because a lot of times these uh, the male doctors are not giving you the time of day. They're not listening to what you have to say. And then they they know, oh, well, there's a, you know, there's a psychosomatic thing going on here or something. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just in your head, you know, you mm -hmm. need to do this, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, well, wait a second, dude. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to pour out to you. I'm hurting. I'm in pain. I don't know what's going on. I'm scared. I'm stressed, blah, blah, blah. And you're just going to tell me it's in my head. Screw you. <laughs> right. And so sometimes there is that aspect yeah, where it yeah. is like, well, you know what, go find another doctor because I've had people that have came into me with these issues and you, you sit down you get on their level, you look at them in the eye, you let them vent about what's going on, male or female, anybody. Yeah. But you 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 see these cases that come in where you say they have a lot going on right now in their life. 
They have a lot going on mentally, physically, emotionally. There's stressors, there's traumas, um, whatever it may be. I'm a chiropractor, but I'm going to sit down. I'm going to listen to what you have to say. And you build a rapport. You, you actually show these patients that they care. And then you can say, well, look, do you see how these things are affecting you? Like, this is how they can affect you physically even. Let's try and get to the bottom of that. And you don't have an issue with it. But it's when you get in, you get your five-minute visit, you're in your cold little gown, they're pushing you and poking you, and, and then they're like, yeah, it's all in your head, get out of here. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, whoa, wait a second, <laughs> right? And so in those cases, I oh, do. Yeah, you it's like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, you got blood pressure. Yeah, you just, you just hurt me so bad, like so many different ways. Um, but yeah, and, and in those instances, I do say that because you find that a lot of female patients are a lot more comfortable with female doctors. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all for that. Absolutely. Find someone that you're comfortable with. But that isn't to, it isn't to discredit that, you know, anytime someone comes to me or you or, you know, some other, yeah, male doctor and says, you know, yeah, I have these problems that they're just going to get quote unquote mansplained, right? Mm-hmm. About these things and then, and then sent on their way. So um, a lot of it is building rapport with patients and you can get these things across in a way that they feel heard. And that they feel like there's a plan and there's hope because that's the problem is that we leave them with no plan, no hope. And Um, nobody wants to hear that. And then it does become this weird, delicate talk um, where you think you're just going to hurt people's feelings. Um, And then these people with fibromyalgia are just left to suffer, essentially, or just take a med. Oh, yeah, fibromyalgia, you're taking antidepressant. (laughs) Oh, great. Thanks. I'm glad you went there because that's a a key point. And as we kind of shift into the treatment portion of our talk, I think that's the first part is just listening and allowing them some space for them to actually be heard. Mm-hmm. I think that's the first portion of treatment right there. Yeah. You know, and so... They don't even need to know that's happening. No, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Just, yeah, give them time to tell their story and actually listen. Um, you know, eye contact, all that kind of stuff is, mm-hmm. is huge, I think. And now they feel that there is hope, to your point, and they feel more comfortable and everything. And now it's, you know, now we can actually start to get in to, you know, some of the actual modalities on your end. Right. Um, yeah. So do you want to start off with what you would? <laughs> yeah. So into? I was going to say, I was, I was going to say, I was like, and you know what, this is all great, Dr. D, <laughs> but what do we do about it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what do we do? How are we going to treat these patients that come to the door? The person that's listening is like, oh yeah, you know what? I had a doctor tell me that I had fibromyalgia, gave me an antidepressant and I never wanted to go back to it. So where do we go from there? What do we do with that patient? And so, like I said, my standpoint, I'm going to be very musculoskeletal and I'm going to look at these things at that level of your, your baseline of health. We'll get, you know, we'll get our, our, uh, all our forms that we'll gather up for you to fill out. I'll get a food journal. We'll get a headache diary. Um, you know, you get these things and and we'll start to figure those out. I'm a very, very empathetic person. And toot my own horn, right? <laughs> I'm also the I'll most concur. humble. Yeah, I'm also the most <laughs> humble person in the whole world. Um, no, but I, I'm a very empathetic person, and I think a big point of this is just being able to to empathize with them. They don't, you don't get that from doctors very mm-hmm. often, uh, which is fair. Very uh, logistical people, yeah. yeah, and and it serves us well to be that way. But we have to be able to empathize with our patients, and so to be able to listen to them recognize some of these these triggers um talk them through them i have i can't say that i've had to refer very many people for like a therapy um but just to be able to recognize these things and have them recognize them i think it can be that simple that's not to say that it is for everybody Mm -hmm. by any means but it can be that simple to recognize that these things are having a big toll on your physical health and just doing that allows you to address them. Now, if you can't address them personally, then sure, we'll go into some kind of therapy, uh, and that's fantastic. You should. You yeah. absolutely should. Mm-hmm. Um, you, sometimes you can't. You can't figure it out on your own. Same reason why they come to, to us, right? Yep. I mean, you can't figure it out on your own, so you go to someone who can. Um, so that's a big, por- big part portion. Um, but then from there, yes, I do, I do a lot of musculoskeletal work. Um, I do a lot of desensitization, so a lot of like scraping uh, your 
instrument assisted soft tissue mobilization, IASTM, a lot of like scraping, just working through these muscles, getting blood flow in those areas, uh, stretching out fascias, shearing layers. I tell my patients a million different ways, like anytime a modality comes up, so just a, a treatment option, anytime, you know, whether it's scraping, whether it's dry needling, um, I use a lot of acupuncture points. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Um, but I feel dry needling is a little easier to explain than acupuncture sometimes to my patients. Um, stretching, mobilization, adjustments, uh, cupping, I mean, foam rolling even, like all yeah. these different things that I give them, um, exercises too. Like I tell them our goal here is to both bring blood into an area and then pump gunk out of an area. And, and that's really it. I mean, it's all about blood flow. Blood flow is what brings our nutrients to an area and blood flow is what brings macrophages and everything to break down the gunk and junk and bring it out of the area. So all of the modalities, they work a little differently, right? That's why there's so many of them. But their goal is to bring blood flow into an area and bring junk out of the area mm-hmm. to help your body be able to regulate these things on its own, but get rid of the roadblock. Yeah, and if there's too much stuff build up, that could be why they're not being able to use the energy because, you know, there's so much trash that's yeah. built up and the and the trash truck hasn't come well, in. I liked what you said earlier about the, the cellular level and, and how your body can't do that on a cellular level because it, um I can't remember the exact word you used, but it just brought me right to like diabetes mm-hmm. and how your body doesn't know what to do yeah. when there's, you know, like... When, when insulin and ghrelin and all these things are shifting, like your body doesn't even know what to do because it, there's never been an instance where there's not sugar in the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't know what to do anymore. And the same concept is going on here, even at a cellular level. Like if you've, if you've never not had sugar in your bloodstream in some, to some extent, you know, you haven't had bread, sugar, you know, I mean, the list goes Something. on kind of thing. Yeah. Like if, if you've never not had that in your body, then your body doesn't know how to function without it. It starts to lose that because it doesn't need it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to know. And so for me, that becomes the exercise level. Your body doesn't know how to use these muscles. It doesn't need it. It doesn't know how to pump these things through because it's never been pumped. <laughs> I was just making in, that same correlation. In, in yeah, like <laughs> 20 years, right? And so that's how I would go about it. That's how I generally do. I want to get down to the basis of sleep, meditation, mental clarity, things like that are big. Not my primary focus, right? Oh, yeah. I'm going to treat someone who comes in for fibromyalgia, and they're going to – I would like to think they're going to find relief, and Mm. they they have. That's the only reason why I say that. I haven't had somebody that I've had to send out. Yeah. Um, Typically, it is a very broad thing that we treat broadly. We work on these areas, and we just kind of work our way down. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have. I've had really good results with that. Um, very, yeah, like I said, like scraping, cupping, needling are things that I'll do, um, while I'm working with, okay, well, let's get you moving. Let's just start with stretches, range of motion exercises, get the, you know, grease the joints, mm-hmm. get some things moving again. Um, start going on walks, get your fresh air, go to bed earlier, wake up earlier, get on a routine. Like you start to address these things because you, you make them come to the conclusion that, okay, I see like, yeah, I, I don't sleep well. Well, why? Okay, mm-hmm. well, I don't know. You're you're eating Pop-Tarts before bed at 11 o'clock at night, or you wake up and your breakfast is a Dr. Pepper. Like, mm-hmm. these are things that aren't going to be working out in your favor at a cellular level. And so let's just address those, try and make small changes, and see if there's any benefit. And yeah. if there is, that gives you the encouragement to keep going. And so we do that. We work musculoskeletal scraping, like I said, kind of up, you know, head-to-toe sort of thing. We give the exercises and people get better. And so there is this cellular, you know, component. And when they don't get better, yes, that's what I, I've referred a lot of my patients mm-hmm. your way. I give your yeah. number to almost every patient I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and s- there's a reason for Cause that. Because I also have more time to dedicate to those things too. And to, I don't. To addressing the sleep. Yeah. And because and from on my end of things, yeah, I want to start with those those basic things that are completely free yep. and and that are missing in that person's daily lifestyle kind of uh, component there. But yeah, and then it's 
I'm I'm looking at the three big ones first are going to be breath, mm-hmm. going to be grounding, and are going to be light. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's mainly sunlight, but we also have to manage the blue light throughout the day and especially right. at night. Yeah. But yeah, starting with the breath because first I want them to learn how to start to slow down the breathing, start to breathe through the nose. That's where we need to breathe is through <laughs> yeah. the nose. You know, we do have some breath work where we utilize the mouth, but that's completely separate. Here we're trying to increase the CO2 levels and allow our body to recognize and to regulate how it can operate at a higher CO2 level because that's going to push that oxygen into the cells. Yeah. Going back to that whole cellular talk that, you know, that we brought up se- several times here is we need enough oxygen in the cell to accept those electrons. And that's going to be a huge component. If we don't have enough CO2, then that oxygen may hang on to the hemoglobin and not be pushed off right. into the into the cell there. So, <laughs> And so it's very simple. Like we just start with nasal breathing. We start with slowing down that breathing, whether it's using specific Buteco style um, techniques um, and then uh, Patrick McEwen has some really good techniques that he builds off of the Buteco style. And yeah, I mean, that's a huge first step because now that's, like I said, like with the cells, now they can start to recognize and start to bring down some of that sensitivity, I think, yeah. and get back to the, the inhibiting of the pain signals. But yeah, and then sunlight, I think, is a, hu- a huge piece. I mean, we live indoors now. Like, yeah. that's just... Yeah. Um, I, I think I saw a statistic that I think it was like 85 to 90% of our lives are spent indoors for most people. That's absurd. Yeah. You know, we are animals at the end of the day here. And so we need, and we, we've evolved to be outside. And so we need these natural signals, information, and also, you know, just the photons, you know, on a biological level. So getting, you know, different wavelengths too throughout the day. Some people are always thinking, oh, I got to get my UV, but we also need the infrared. We need the visible spectrum. You know, that red is going to be very uh, contradictory to the blue that is very prevalent in our society now. You know, I got the screen open right now, which I'm getting, (laughs) you know, hit with a lot of blue light. Um, Usually I have my my daylight lenses on to, Mm -hmm. to block out some of this, but, but yeah, we need that you know, we need to manage our light much better, you know, yeah. so that we can get that better sleep, obviously recover. But yeah, and then on a, on that cellular level, we're going to actually stimulate the mitochondria and we'll get more, um, more production of the ATP in that cell, which is that cellular energy. Um, and so I think that's, that's a big component I always address with people because it, it just seems to be so on misunderstood yeah you know it's like it always goes to vitamin d and it goes to uv but there's just so much more to the sun and light in general and so just trying to educate people i think that's a huge component and then people are usually like oh yeah i got a pool you know i can be outside i work at home now and i'm like yeah like get outside you know take your laptop out there you know boom now we've we've just made a huge step in the right direction Mm -hmm. And we didn't have to do much there. So, yeah. and, um, and then, yeah. And then the other thing is just grounding. So obviously getting outside, um, you know, wet grass, ideal, you know, wet sands. So being at the beach, but just take the shoes off every once in a while. You yeah. know, these are modern inventions. Yeah. So, you know, and, and they're rubber sole and they, they limit how much we can receive from the earth. We're naturally getting electrons from the earth. And we're also getting magnetism and other frequencies, but I think the, you know, just getting in contact with the earth pretty frequently too, you know, I thought, you know, when I first started doing it, it was like once a week, I thought I was doing enough, but (laughs) I think it has to be a daily practice, you know, and it could just be five minutes each day, but at least that will, will dissipate some of the kind of what's called non-native electric magnetic frequencies, you know, that we're getting um, kind of bombarded with these days. Um, and so whether that's the Wi-Fi's or the 5G or whatever, you know, we're just getting a lot of different frequencies that our body isn't used to. So at least 
if we can get in contact with the earth, get those natural frequencies periodically, I think that helps a lot of people. And you can just feel your nervous system go down a notch. You know, when I walk in the morning, yeah, yeah, I get that. I walk in my, my grass in the morning and it's like, oh man, especially when it's cold out, I feel like super energized. But even right now, um, in June here in Florida, (laughs) you know, getting some of that dew on the grass as I walk in the, in the grass in the morning, it just, you know, energizes me. And then I get that morning sun and boom, like my day started off right, you know? So I think those are the three big things that I like to start you know, educating people with. And then there's a lot of different cool men, uh, modalities that I like to bring into the to the picture. But, you know, always start with the basics. Yeah. You know, then the other things will have a lot more impact. Yeah. I think that's the big thing for fibromyalgia in general is just start with the basics because there is, there is no diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I mean, there really is no diagnosis. <laughs> if you've been told you have fibromyalgia and you have this, you know, you have this chronic pain for this long and blah, blah, blah. There's, there's really no diagnosis for you. And so you have to start at square one. And some of these things, some of these things are going to sound really weird, you know, to people listening here, like, yeah, grounding and, and getting your different lights and, and, uh, and, and it's true, but you just have to like, that's where we, I'll tell my patients even just like, you know what, bear with me. Like, I'm not going to put you in the circus, all right? I want you to stretch. I'm not going to put you in the circus. I'm not going to have you devote your life to stretching. But if you can just have a routine at the end of the day, when you get home from work, you come through the door, and you can do something to undo the beat down that you put on your body that day. Because it doesn't matter what you do as a job. You beat up yourself some, some way or another. If you can undo a little bit of that, at least you're moving in a positive direction than a negative direction. And the same thing comes with breath work. I've seen, I just saw a post in a, in a chiropractic page I'm in where someone posted a video about breathing. And the first comment was, if another doctor tells me that I'm breathing wrong, I'm going to lose my mind or something like that. And I was like, man, sounds like you need to work on your breathing. <laughs> you know, but, but it comes down to the basics. Like, sure, maybe it doesn't have to be your life. But if you can just be like, okay, you know what? Let me give this a shot. Nobody can deny that there's something special about being awake early morning. There's something special about having your toes in the grass. Like whether it's nostalgic or not, like whether it is, yeah, frequencies and, and grounding with the earth and all this and that, like maybe you don't buy into that and that's okay. Mm-hmm. There's something about it that works on us mentally that is relaxing, that changes our mood, that changes where we are. There's something about getting your toes in the sand, right? Like there's Everybody a reason. Everybody loves the beach. Yeah, there's a reason that Florida is, you know, as popular as it is, right, as a destination, why, why they say we live in paradise. Mm-hmm. Like if you utilize that, there's a reason for that. And so you don't have to buy into everything that we say, and that's okay. But if you can just, if you can just be on board for now, you can see some of these effects that go on. And then you can say, okay, you know what? This does work. This is a good habit that I want to start to get into. This is something that I want to look into a little bit better. Um, even the the blue light and red light, like you were talking about, you can probably explain it way better than I can. But essentially, blue light is kind of um, reproducing daytime signals. The sky is blue. Yep. That's what we're getting, right? So yep. when we're looking at blue light at midnight watching Instagram, um, we got the sun blaring in our mm-hmm. eyes, essentially. And then red light more signifies like our sunset, correct? Yep. Yep. And so when we start to surround ourselves with red light in the evening because we got bright LEDs in our house and everything, when we start to get ourselves surrounded by red light, our mind starts to recognize sunset. The Mm. day is over. Relax, rest. And so if we can just like anyone can buy into that, right? And you say, yeah, like let's start to, you know, limit these things and just see how it has an effect. And if you notice, it's a little easier to calm down at night. You do maybe get a little more sound sleep. You don't toss and turn so much. Or maybe you uh, you just feel a little more refreshed when you wake up in the morning. Yes. Whatever it is, it's just the little things. You don't little. have to buy in 110%, but give it a shot. And um, I, think that was, I think that was it. You talked about the grounding. That was great. The breathing, absolutely. Um, and the, the lighting. Yeah, they're, they're huge, just basics. Yeah. They're yeah. basics that people don't understand not everybody understands but if you can hop on board you're 
gonna see something. Yes. Yeah. You've you've had that impact on my life, and that's that's why I can give that little spiel because I have seen um, back when COVID was a big thing. I became a Dr. Damon fan real yeah. quick because I was like, you're trying to tell me that you have a respiratory illness and you want me to sit, you want me to lay in a bed, you want me to lay in a bed under fluorescent lighting 24-7 by myself. I don't get any laughter being my yeah. best medicine. I don't get any human interaction. I'm not getting any you know, sunlight by any means. That doesn't sound good to even just on a daily uh, yeah. basis, let alone you. when you're sick. I'm not getting outside. I'm not getting fresh air. I'm not getting, yeah, my toes in the grass. There's no relaxation that comes along with that. I'm stressed. I'm cold. I'm in a bright room by myself. That sounds awful. Yeah. It doesn't sound like a way to heal, right? <laughs> that sounds like a way to just flush me down the toilet. <laughs> yeah. Like put me in like a garbage That might disposal. be the idea. Yeah. Know. Well, hey, you know what? That's a different podcast. Hey, exactly. But I did end up with COVID and, you know, God bless. It wasn't that bad. It, it wasn't that bad. And I'm thankful for that. But I spent my days outside at the lake in the grass, feet in the grass, deep breaths, you know, breathing exercises. I was stretching. I was walking. I kept myself very mobile. And that's not to say that that's the case for everybody. But it is to say that I was pounding down. I had my, I had my, uh, We'll say brother-in-law, I guess. He's kind of like one step out. But my uh, my Creole brother-in-law come in with something that'll put hair on your chest, man. Turmeric and ginger. And, <laughs> and it tasted like spicy mustard. Like I was just taking a shot oh, of spicy good, mustard. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Like he was like, man, this thing will wake you up. And it did. Yeah. So there was a, a nutritional value to it. There was... I realize that I'm not going to be running and stuff like that, but I'm going on walks. I'm practicing my breathing. I'm grounding. I'm relaxing. I'm getting my sunlight. I'm resting. Like I'm doing these things and you kick it in the butt, you know, and you move on and it's fine. And then you see the opposite where, you know, someone, someone like, yeah, you know, I'm not feeling well. I got a little bit of tightness in my chest. I'm going to lay in the hospital for two weeks and they deteriorate and it's heartbreaking to see because you don't know what could have been if they were able to kind of take this at a more basic natural approach and see how their body will handle it. And it's the same concept with fibromyalgia and I'll wrap it back in. Yeah. Right. (laughs) If you don't start at the basic level and you just jump straight to other medications with other side effects and you, you keep yourself in the bright white padded room, you don't, get to address these things and they just root themselves deeper and you have to be able to start at the basics there's a reason that it's called like health mm-hmm. <laughs> you know when you work as as healthcare providers like we're trying to provide you with the means to care for your health and you have to be able to take those at the base before you even start to dive into these other things and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are getting a little long in the yeah, tooth today. I'll leave it at that. But, you have to cut me out. But, the, yeah, there is one little thing that I would like to build off of that because that is really good points. And I also think, you know, when you're stuck in, in that hospital room or even just indoors, not getting the, the natural light, the natural frequencies in these things, I don't think you actually will become better on the other side you know and that's where you start going through that vicious cycle of just sickness okay sickness again okay Mm -hmm. sickness again and whereas you know these these periodic acute illnesses should make us better on the other side we should become more resilient and i think that's where going the natural route and doing what you did and focusing on the breathing getting outside and all those things i think that made you stronger, you know, after, you know, yeah. you, you had to, you know, I, I was sick not too long ago too. And I just, I actually induced a fever just to get, you know, everything ramped up and every, you know, most people wouldn't understand that, but, but it actually gets you, you know, going through the process and allowing your body to do what it needs to do right. to get things out to, you know, break down, you know, dead tissue, whatever it is, and just get it out instead yeah. of having to, find a different way of storing it, you know, and then, you know, that gets into the whole cancer topic or even just other kinds of cysts, you know, your body has a lot of strategies, Yeah, but 
it has its plan A's and then it has, you know, plan B, plan C. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we shut down plan A and just recognizing that I think is yeah. a big thing, but yeah, this was a this was a good talk. We, we there's a lot more to cover on this, and, and maybe we'll have to do a part two, part three, even part four because I got a lot of notes here that we did not cover. But uh, yeah, there's plenty of time, plenty of time. So, um, but I think we hit a lot of the big key points. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think we'll wrap it up. So it was a it was a pleasure. I hope everybody gained something, you know, even something basic out of this talk. And anybody yeah. with fibromyalgia, for sure, I hope you you learned something. And if you do need any assistance, you know, if you need any uh, body work or chiropractic, <laughs> Doctor Dan's your man. You know, you might have to make a little trip down here to to Seminole area in Florida, but. You know, I can also help you on the functional medicine and some of the other aspects of health. So, you know, reach out to us, Seed and yeah. Soil Wellness and Motion Chiropractic. And thank you guys for listening today. It was our pleasure. I am your host, Dr. Damon. I'm Dr. Daniel Nikens, and we look forward to harmonizing your health. Find out more about Harmonized Health by visiting seedandsoilwellness.com. If you have a topic you'd like covered, email us at Dr. Damon at SeedAndSoilWellness.com. Follow and subscribe on your favorite podcast service to be notified when new podcasts are available. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use it as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Consult your own practitioner for any medical issues you may be having.